The Third Magpie by M.S. Clements Read by Hannah Timms Episode 4 Do We Ever Learn? We seek to discover the mysteries of life, yet fail to learn any lessons. Desirous of the precious and tempting bloom of knowledge, we complain when pricked by its barbed thorns. Learning to Ride Melbourne Manor House, aged five Close your eyes, Finn. I do as Daddy tells me and shut my eyes so tightly that my nose wrinkles up. I am so excited. Ta-da! He says, just like the man on the dance show. Your first proper bike. Everything shines. The handlebars, the black padded seat. There's even a basket on the front for Kitty. It is bright green. Daddy waits for my cheers. I shiver. Was Dorothy's bike green in that scary film? I can't remember. It's your brother's old one. We took it to the body shop and, well, look at it now. The basket is new, though. Dad's large hand runs over the seat, patting it, encouraging me to approach it. I remember Grandma telling me not to be afraid. Time to be a big boy like Andy. I give a well-rehearsed grin. Pretending it's far safer. Pretending keeps everyone else happy. Jump on, says Daddy, and he helps me onto the bike. My toes just about touch the tarmac. I wobble and hold on tight to Daddy's arm. I won't let go, darling, but you'll be fine and soon be flying. Just you wait and see. I hold my breath and push down hard. The bike starts to move. My other foot finds the rising pedal. Daddy cheers, and soon I'm picking up speed. Unable to keep up with me, he lets go. I am riding a bicycle, just like my brother. I am flying. I am happy. The farm gate is ahead, open onto the lane that leads down to the village. I'm not allowed onto the lane. My parents, Miss McManus, Evie, they've all told me I must stay by the house and never wander off, so I never do. I pull on the brakes, but it's too hard. I keep pedaling, and the lane gets closer. I must stop. I must pull harder. I mustn't go into the lane. I lie under the new bike, my glasses lost in the hedge. I am not Andy. Daddy runs towards me. His hands are on his hips, and he's out of breath. He lifts the bike off and bends down to check on me. No bones broken. Proud of you, son. You were riding. Now, let's get you cleaned up before Mummy sees you. He finds my glasses and pushes the little green bicycle back towards the house. I stand up to follow him. A throb stops me. The skin beneath my knee is all red and sore. I watch a fat, bloody tear roll down out of the dirty cut and slide down my shin towards my Superman sock.
Finn. The official residence of the area's own commandant sat throne-like at the top of the hill. It was visible from most parts of the city and loomed over the inhabitants with domineering arrogance. It eschewed welcoming in favour of intimidation, the preferred architectural fashion for any New Albany building of note. Anxious to be on time, Finn pedalled faster. He loathed the growing sense of panic at the merest thought of being late. Giving a good impression could never be a bad thing, and if he found himself on the right side of the Commandant, who knew what favours might come his way? There were rumours about other trusted DIAs receiving help from area's own Commandants. He doubted comments surrounding the Commandant's temperament. After all, he'd asked for the best and had contracted Finn. The noise of the shifting gravel beneath his wheels alerted the guards to Finn's arrival. One stepped out of the guardhouse, bringing the teacher to an abrupt halt. He was young, no older than the girl he was about to teach, a boy in a man's uniform. The gun he was carrying was prepped to be fired, and yet as Finn looked into the guard's face, he only saw teenage acne spreading across the boy's forehead. Name! the boy soldier barked. Finn replied quietly and respectfully. Hello, I am Mr. Michael. You are expecting me. I, I am the new tutor for Miss Fry. Leave your bike over there and stand and face the wall, he ordered, indicating with his gun to the far side of the gatehouse. The other guard, accompanied by a black spaniel, joined his young companion. They examined him suspiciously, watching him push his bike towards the gatehouse and chain it up to the metal fence. They were diligent in their primary role, the protection of the Commandant and his family. All visitors must be considered a potential terrorist, including myopic schoolteachers. Finn returned to the guards, smiling as he approached them. The wall! Face the wall! the slightly older one ordered. A little taken aback but not surprised, he faced the wall and stretched out his arms on the brickwork. He'd never experienced a full security check but had witnessed other DIAs being frisked on his daily ride to and from work. A wave of homesickness crashed through Finn. He imagined the black spaniel smearing the shine on his shoes was the ghost of Piper. Temptation tugged at him and he fought against the desire to lower his hand and brush it through the dog's black coat and play with his soft ears. All clear. Turn around and hold your bangle for reading. Fear of accidental arrest over. He followed the orders without complaint. His file was read. Permission and late passcodes were cross-checked. Everything was in order. Follow me. The guard was pointing his gun towards the entrance. The metal gate pulled back slowly, revealing the grandeur of the mansion's garden. He nodded towards Finn, prompting the teacher to walk through first, then followed close behind, the gun directed at Finn's back. He knew there were others in the shadows, watching and waiting, spying on him from behind trees, their guns trained onto his body. Even at his parents-in-law, there were half a dozen guards on duty at any one time, although Tim insisted they remained outside the perimeter. The mansion garden was in full view, with coloured spotlights highlighting specimen trees and plants. In the distance, he noticed the outline of an orangery and fairy lights twinkling a pathway to the pool house. There was a sweetness to the air. He stopped, trying to recognise the flower's scent. From where he stood, he had a clear view of the Commandant's mansion. It was a fairly recent pastiche of an elegant house from a different but equally unequal past, displaying all the trappings of wealth. 
Despite the magnificence of the stone portico and large windows looking onto the grounds, it came across as lacking. His mother's laughter resonated through his head as she criticised the magazine articles on the rich and famous. Good taste is rarely bought. The guard poked him in the back with the tip of the gun, making Finn jump. Keep moving! He was waving the gun towards the side of the house. At the tradesman's door, the guard tugged the bell pull, its clanging echoing inside. Finn heard footsteps and then the turning of keys and bolts sliding back. A fragile silhouette against the harsh inner hall lights. The housekeeper flattened herself into the door, letting the guard and Finn through. She flicked her fingers, indicating where they should continue down the corridor to the kitchen. Behind them, he heard the guard slam the bolts back into place locking him inside the mansion. Once in the kitchen, he could see her more clearly. Her hair was grey, yet she was probably no older than Finn. According to Albion anthropological theorists, average DIAs were prone to the appearance of early ageing. It was one of their many faults. She was skinny with sharp, angular bones pushing through her sallow skin. The maid's grey dress flapped about her frame and her bangle bounced on her wrist as she busied herself. Finn noted that her hand was small enough to slip out of the bangle, but what was once voluntary had become compulsory, and the fate of the non-compliant was enough to dissuade all but the most desperate to leave that bangle on their arm. He remembered an interview with a politician friend of Tim's on the daily briefing, banging a desk with his hand and repeatedly talking over the interviewer. Harsh punishment delivers results. It was unlikely she'd always been a domestic but that was what she was, with its low wages, long hours and no rights. The politicians had achieved their aim, cut the red tape and get people working. The servant complied with her lowly status, placing a cup of tea and a slice of cake before the expectant guard. There was not even an acknowledging nod from him. Finn stood by the wall, observing deference from one and institutional disdain from the other. Even though she made no sounds, the kitchen was full of noise. On the hob, dishcloths boiled, brown bubbles of soap bursting as they skimmed the edge of the pot. The maid had retreated to the corner chair and was sewing a button on the commandant's deathly black uniform. The other silver buttons rang against each other as she turned the jacket. The guard devoured his treat, scraping the cake fork across the porcelain plate. Overseeing it all was an enormous clock its bronzed arms sprawling out across the wall, the minute hand visibly juddering with the passing time. It was three minutes to eight. The lesson was due to begin, but there was no sign of the pupil, nor any indication if he were to go to another room. Anxious the lesson would be late, Finn tried to summon up enough courage to speak to the guard. It proved unnecessary. Miss Fry had entered the kitchen. She was dressed neither for comfort nor to shock. The dowdy navy school uniform had been abandoned in favour of a pale green floral dress, tailored to fit her perfectly. Her bodice seemed almost too tight, squeezing and emphasising her thin young waist. The skirt was wide and rested just below her knee in accordance with the morality code. A pale pink cardigan completed the look. Her hair was loosely tied with a gossamer-thin green ribbon, allowing her blonde waves to flow softly over her shoulder. The guard gulped the remaining tea on hearing the scraping door and stood to attention as quickly as his body allowed. 
Did she even notice the guard's deft wave of his hand to brush away the cake crumbs off his uniform? You can leave now, said Miss Fry with the confidence that comes with privilege. She was used to delivering orders to subordinates within her realm. Position trumps maturity. Once the door closed, she fixed her attention on the housekeeper. Mrs. Fran, this is my tutor, Mr. Michael. He'll be here Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Make sure someone accompanies him to my sitting room. Yes, ma'am. And then the maid was gone, scurrying away from the young mistress and her tutor. He wondered if he should shake her hand or maybe a little bow. What were the expected manners and behaviours of a domestic? Come, she said. Obedience, thought Finn, following his pupil into the mansion. He studied the excess of riches on display. There was artwork on every wall, oversized, modern, bleak. The furniture was the epitome of the latest Albion fashion. Too gaudy for Finn's taste. A deep pile rug silenced their footsteps, and on the glass side tables, colourful objets d'art reflected the rich tones of the carpet. It reminded him of the sumptuous hotels and luxuriously furnished suites of their family holidays, where two teens and a small child would play fight. Andy once dared him to do forward rolls along the hotel corridors. He never did, and he wouldn't here either. Miss Fry stopped at a pair of double doors. This is my wing. We'll have the lessons in my private rooms. The sitting room could accommodate the entire ground floor of their cottage. Opposite was a fireplace and a wood-burning stove, the logs inside glowing with intense orange heat. The room was warm, too warm. Two blue velvet sofas faced each other perpendicular to the stove, an array of colourful cushions were arranged on them. Dominating the furthest sofa was an oversized silver fur cushion. Behind the nearest sofa and within the space of the bay window stood a round table with her books already laid out. Finn headed towards it, until his pupil interrupted his passage. Oh, we needn't start quite yet. We should become better acquainted first. Help us feel relaxed for the lesson. That way I'll get more out of it. Finn's uncertainty was increasing with each passing minute. Was Carl right? Had he made a mistake? Miss Fry snatched the bag from his grip and taking his arm led him to the sofa. To his great relief she sat on the opposite one. He perched on the edge of the seat, his restless leg betraying his nervousness. Don't you think we should start, Miss Fry? It's... Already quarter past eight. My name is Catherine. Sometimes Daddy calls me Cat. Meow. <laughs> she started to laugh. Um, what, what should I call you? He assumed it would be Miss Fry, as he did in the classroom. Miss Fry will do for the time being. Maybe I'll change my mind later. We'll see how you behave. Finn attempted to ignore her comment, a teenager trying to impress an older man, nothing more. She would bore of the dominating pupil act and serious study would be accompanied by rolled eyes and teen ennui, the normal state of affairs for a teacher-pupil relationship. You're my first DIA, but not my first tutor. It's quite a thrill, 
a DIA in my sitting room. She was curling a lock of her hair round her finger. Um, I... Isn't Mrs. Fran a DIA? Finn wasn't really sure where the conversation was supposed to go. Obviously. And Mr. Yeoen, too. You haven't met him, have you? Finn shook his head. But it's different, you see. They're just servants. Oh, but so are you. <laughs> she laughed again, and Finn blushed. I suppose the difference is you are my servant, here for my benefit alone. Daddy chose you. Must be quite an honour. Finn knew the procedure. Deference. Always deference. He nodded his head. Yes, Miss Fry, a great honour. <laughs> he wanted to ask her if he'd got the lesson time incorrect, but as he looked up to speak, Catherine was leaning into the gap between the sofas. I watched you, you know, when you arrived. I can see pictures from the security cameras. You have a good bike. The heat of embarrassment rose up with Finn. Had she laughed at the humiliation of the security search, the sniffer dog and the surly guards? You are such a timid little man, aren't you? You remind me of a mouse, terrified of the slightest sound. I can understand it, though. This house, this whole environment must be so alien to someone like you. I... 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 <laughs> Finn's stammered reply stopped short. She was not interested in his past. He was her servant and should know his place. Sh shouldn't we start the lesson now, Miss Fry? We learn so much from first impressions, don't we? That was the original title of Pride and Prejudice, you know. Yes, I did know that. I hope I have given a good impression so far. So far? And what impression do you have of me, your mistress? Finn hesitated, unsettled by her choice of words. This was a girl who held power and knew the extent of her control over him. A teenager whose whims would be satisfied without question. You strike me as a very intelligent young woman. I'm sure we will make excellent progress this year. She accepted the compliment with a broad smile, giving prominence to her high cheekbones and deep dimples by her mouth. We should begin the lesson, start as we mean to go on, he added. If you say so. The smile dropped, and with it her dimples. Miss Fry placed her fur pillow on the arm of the chair and gave it a gentle thump before flopping back against it. The fur was molting and tiny fibres lifted into the air before floating down and disappearing into her hair. Finn rummaged through his bag. It had to be there. It just had to be. He'd check before leaving. But what if he'd only dreamt about putting it in the bag? Or maybe he was remembering a different day. Panic swirled inside. She was watching him, waiting. It had to be there. Relief came when he felt his fingers slip inside the leaves of the book. His copy was so old that he wondered how those pages hadn't turned to dust years ago. He ought to get a new Albion edition with their helpful notes and commentary, but he didn't. He kept that decrepit edition of Pride and Prejudice, comforted by its aged smell and fluorescent schoolboy underlining. I 
take it you have read the book then? He asked, sitting up with his copy in hand. The front cover had sticky tape across the middle, disfiguring the face of Elizabeth as she looked out to her audience. She lifted her legs and tucked them underneath her before smoothing her dress out over her knees. I have read lots of books. I like to read. It's one of my favourite pastimes. Excellent. Maybe we'll get on to further reading once we have completed the exam syllabus. Finn began to relax, thinking the tutoring might even be pleasurable. Finally, a pupil who understood the joy of reading instead of his usual uphill battle of book versus film. Tuesday, 3rd November. Had my first lesson with that DIA. He really is a strange little man. Daddy wants me to start thinking about marriage. Says he'll be making inquiries. Sophie. The flickering bicycle light was the signal for her lungs to fill and empty with relief. She kissed him on entering the kitchen, giving an involuntary shiver when their lips touched. The night air had become so cold of late. By the time he'd unpacked his bag, she'd already made him a chamomile tea and heated up his supper. Come and eat in the sitting room. The stove is lit and you can warm up, she said, carrying the supper tray for him. Curled up in her corner chair, she watched him tuck into his dinner. He was hungry and ate without saying a word. It's cold out tonight, she said, hoping for conversation. Very. I must ask Dad to smuggle in some cocoa on his next trip. I miss our hot chocolates in front of the fire. Yes, lovely. Sophie's patience could wait no more. She needed to know. Well... Go on, tell me about it. How did it go? Finn put down his knife and fork and took a sip of tea, grimacing in disgust the minute the liquid and scent entered his body. Chamomile? Really? Are you trying to poison me too? Isn't it enough that I am forced to swallow your father's perverse version of wine? Sophie laughed at her husband's mock insult. It's to calm you. Now, tell me or I'll get the wine. Finn moved the tray off the sofa, and with puppy-like enthusiasm, she jumped at the chance to snuggle up, eager to hear his story. It was fine. I was nervous. Who wouldn't be? Don't think the guards like me, but then, again, I don't like them either. He described the house, the decorations, the opulence. Sophie wondered where the commandant had got his money. Even with her father's elevated position, they certainly did not have that sort of wealth. She assumed it was inherited. The days of success through merit alone had long been debunked by the elite leaders of New Albany, a flawed ideology responsible for the mistakes of the past. And the past was somewhere she wanted to forget. She had Finn. Pushing herself in closer, she listened to his descriptions his report of Miss Fry's sitting room leaving her astounded. How old did you say she was? Her file says 17, but I think more like going on 30. I've, I've never met a more confident girl. 
more confident than me? Oh, yes, darling, more confident than you. Finn kissed the tip of her nose. Is she pretty? Her tone reflecting disappointment. I think striking is a better description. She'd stand out in a crowd, but I'm not sure if that's down to her looks or her demeanour. There is definitely something about her that demands attention. Sophie nibbled her lip. There was no doubt about his fidelity, but even so, her insecurity pinched her confidence. Moving forward, she reached for her tea. Finn's arm caught her waist and she let him draw her back. There was no peck on the nose this time. He took her left hand and kissed the base of her ring finger, where her engagement ring once lived. No one can compare to my little pixie. To be honest, I don't want others noticing you too much because I want you all to myself. If they look at you and see the treasure I have, they are bound to steal you away from me and then where will I be? Without you, I cease to be. Thank you for listening to this production of The Third Magpie. To support our work, please consider buying or gifting a digital copy of The Third Magpie from Amazon or post a review on Goodreads. Register at pageupbooks.co.uk to stay in touch with future projects. That's pageupbooks, P-G-U-P, like the key on your keyboard, P-G-U-P, books.co.uk. Thank you.